0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. There's no reason to become alarmed, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? Hey everybody, welcome to Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence Podcast. This is your pilot, John Lafferty, with Century 21 Town and Country.
1: And Tony Abate with Ross Mortgage, and we are your real estate pilots. Our job is to be your real estate advocate, and also to make sure you're educated about the buying and selling process. We'll keep you informed throughout until we get you safely closed.
0: In a real estate transaction, there are many reasons why you can encounter turbulence. Today, we thought we'd talk about several different kinds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: so Tony, uh, I think one of the things that uh, that just happened recently was the changes to FHA that I think are going to be really beneficial for buyers and for condo associations. Right. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, this is a big deal, and um, you know, just to kind of step back, uh, you know, from this before we dive into it. So FHA financing has been around forever. It's a wonderful tool, not only for first time home buyers, but also for 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 folks that are buying a primary residence and maybe they've got. Uh, limited assets to put in the transaction. Maybe their credit is a little bit compromised. And, and FHA has always been a perfect fit uh, for this kind of thing. Um, FHA, when you are financing a condo, uh, has has kind of uh, morphed over the last couple of decades and how that's being handled. So FHA has always had uh, an approved list of a, of condo projects that they would allow FHA financing to be used on. One of the things that happened is uh, with their last batch of modifications to the policy, um, the approval came with an expiration, uh, which makes sense, but historically they didn't have an expiration on the darn things. They were just approved of, you know, ad nauseum.
0: VA doesn't have an expiration.
1: They don't. You're correct. You're correct. So so with this change to have condo projects uh, become you know, approved for FHA financing and then have an expiration, there was no mechanism to let the associations know, hey, by the way, your FHA approval is going to expire. They just expired, you know, and, and associations are busy and, and they're not necessarily going to say, well, you know what? I know no one's asking about it now, but we better get our FHA approval re-upped.
0: And we just had this conversation <laughs> yeah. literally – uh, mm-hmm. a month and a half ago. Yeah. Remember, we were talking about that association and we were talking about what they had to do to get
1: reapproved. Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great thing for an association to do, but it's got some heavy lifting to it. There's no doubt about it. And, and when you think about the, the flow of things, when FHA changed its procedure and, now, and said, okay, and here's a new set of requirements, and by the way, there's, a, there's an expiration, everybody's expiration date was basically the same. Uh, and then, of course, over time, you know, different condo projects would would get approved at different times. But what happens is is that you have a lot of condo projects that have FHA approvals that that roll off that list in in a, in a short window of time. So, you know, a poor home buyer says, "Well, hey, this is my zip code. This is where I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, there's there's maybe twelve condo projects that they could embrace, and ten of them are expired on the FHA list. They were FHA approved, and then they weren't." So uh that's a problem. It, it closes people out of of appropriate uh, uh home ownership that really fits their needs. So prior to uh the 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 current setup what FHA used to do is that they used to allow what was called the spot approval. And basically, what that said is is FHA responding and saying, "Okay, this condo project is not FHA approved. However, if we can find out this short list of of data bits on this condo project, we'll give a one time approval for this one unit and, and allow the the transaction to go." And uh, the, the bar was not really high; it wasn't hard to get the the questions answered, and we were able to close a lot of spot uh, approved condos. Post-recession, they eliminated that as an option. And so we're back to what we were just talking about. When a condo project expired from the FHA list, it's just expired. And they were kind of going from square one to get reapproved on the FHA list.
0: Can I ask you why mm-hmm. they stopped spot approvals during the recession? Was it being abused? Was, were, were things being overlooked in the haste of spot approvals?
1: A little bit of all of the above. Uh, spot approvals. Uh, you know, I will say that that one of the things that would happen with that is, you know, the spot approval was not analyzed by FHA when the data came in. It was analyzed by lenders, and, and, and you know, yeah, your your response is appropriate, and so mistakes were made. Um, you know, very possibly condo projects were closed on that should not have been closed on, et cetera, and and you know, the overarching thing to the whole thing is that. Um, it, it, condominiums were were more highly impacted during the recession. Uh, their, their values fell further. Um, the default rates were higher, et cetera. And so FHA basically did what I think was an appropriate thing, and that is they, they said, you know what, we're going to tap the brakes here. We're going to we're going to stop this and, and and get a better handle on things. Well, we're not in that environment anymore, and so they they have recently, you know, goodness, you know, it's gonna it's going to affect October. But the but the announcement was recent that they're going to go back to permitting spot approvals, um, as you might expect. The batch of lenders that are here now are not the same batch of lenders uh, to a large extent that, ex- that existed then. A lot of the bad actors are out of the game. And so uh, there, there's going to be a, a more appropriately astringent process to do these spot approvals. But it's still, still going to be a game changer for first-time homebuyers or anybody that's looking to buy a condo using that financing.
0: Okay, can you give us a snapshot of how that process is
1: going to work? Sure, it's not it's not a whole lot different than the way it's going to the way that it's not a whole lot different than the way it's working right now for conventional loans. So as you know, uh, when we have a condo transaction that we're taking care of, um, you know, I as a lender would reach out to you. Hey, John, who's the point of contact for that association or the association's management company? Uh, And then with that information, we're going to send them a questionnaire, and it's uh, it's it's a a generic questionnaire that all lenders use. They're going to Fill out different data points. How many units are there? Is the project completed? Uh, how many units are being used as rental? And then we want some budget information and some insurance information. Really, are it, what we're looking for is the same thing any home buyer would be, you know, should be looking for. Is this association firing on all cylinders? So it's real simple. We send out the questionnaire. The association completes it. They send it back to us. We evaluate it to make sure that it's 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 meeting FHA's requirements now with this change. And if they are. Then we can close this transaction with an FHA spot approval for that one unit.
0: There are some things that were changed as well, mm-hmm. whether or not as far as FHA requirements wasn't one of the things that changed. Uh, Owner
1: occupants versus uh, non-owner occupant
0: percentages within a development?
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. So so you can now have a smaller percentage of owner-occupied units than prior. Um, you know, they, they dropped that down by 10 percent so that now, uh, you know, it, it, another way to put it is a condo project that has a maybe a somewhat higher percentage of, of rental units uh, would still be eligible financing uh, than before. Um. They also uh, extended that approval process. Now we're stepping back into the whole project approval instead of the pro- uh, spot approval. Now, now, when a condo project gets approved, it'll be approved for three years instead of two. So the expirations won't be quite as impactful as as they were before.
0: Yeah, two and, years comes and goes really quickly. It does.
1: It does. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure.
0: So if you have one condo that was spot approved, mm-hmm. but the complex isn't spot approved. Mm-hmm. Along comes another buyer, and uh, and their realtor sees that hey, well you had one FHA loan in there uh, about six months ago. Mm-hmm. Hey, lender, can we do we can we do a spot approval on this, or do we have to get full FHA approval? What what is the process for that? Sure. How many spot approvals can you have in one development?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a there's a there's a concentration limit that says FHA won't. They, they don't want too many units within a condo project uh, to have FHA financing because then there's too much risk associated with that condo project. So you can do uh, additional spot approvals within that project uh, once they hit a certain threshold and I'm pretty sure it's ten percent of all the units with FHA financing, then FHA is going to say you know what we're 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 getting a little too heavily loaded with with exposure in that condo project so uh, but to answer your question a little more deeply. Uh, unit number two and Unit number three and unit Number four will have to go through the uh, the spot approval again um, and there's reason to believe that they would get that approval you know the the reason it has to be re-upped is the data might change you know the the insurance coverage might have lapsed. there might have been a lawsuit filed. Um, you know there's things that could make the data on questionnaire number two be different than the data on questionnaire number one. But if all things are equal, then there's all there's reason to believe that that next buyer should be able to get a unit spot approved in there as well.
0: Do you know if VA has a uh, uh, limitation as well uh, on a number of units that can have a VA loan within a certain complex if there's a percentage that they don't want to go over either?
1: Yeah, so I'm thinking back to what their checklist looks like, John, and, and I don't think they do actually. Um, now, what they don't do is they don't do spot approvals. So it's a whole project approval. And we're looking at VA, um, but uh, I, I don't believe that I've seen a concentration limit. And actually, VA's process is simpler to get a whole project approved than than FHA. Um, you know, we you know, at Ross Mortgage we can expedite those in conjunction with VA, uh, and you know, it, it's a few weeks. It's not the the you know two, three, four month process that it takes to get an FHA project approved. Yeah, boy. Mm-hmm. But the stigma is the problem, isn't it? Yeah, right? (laughs) That is is the
0: problem, exactly, Mm that the the time, the waiting. Um, Who wants to be the – which seller wants to be the canary in the cage for Mm. a full uh, condominium development approval? And of course, the association has to agree that they're willing to go through that process of being vetted Mm -hmm. for approval. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I guess my PSA of the day is, you know, I would encourage all associations to go through that process, you know, whip the, rip that Band-Aid off once, go through that process for FHA and VA approval. Uh, you're, you're simply going to be able to market those units to a greater uh, subset of buyers. The more people you can, and John, this is your, your your category, but the more exposure you can you can have to more buyers, the higher the price that you can command. It's just that simple. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah.
0: The bigger the pool, the better the chances.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So so uh, lenders are just now kind of ramping up the spot uh, <clears throat> approval process. The the mortgagee letter is just out. So uh, we're we're looking you know again October to be able to actually manage transactions with these spot approvals. But uh, goodness, we're just about done with August. That's coming up quickly.
0: Yeah, it's right around the corner. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal. Yeah. It,
0: it's huge mm-hmm. it 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 changes the game for a lot of, if you're if you're a buyer out there and you, you know you're in a certain price range and you'd like to be able to consider condominiums well up until just recently uh, and, and soon there was a limited pool of fha yeah. approved complexes out there mm-hmm. and so if you wanted to live in a certain area Let's say you wanted to live in Shelby Township or Rochester Mm -hmm. Hills, well, the number of FHA-approved condominium developments is very minute compared to the number that are available. So if you're looking at a price range and you only have two or three developments that you can actually consider living in because they're FHA-approved, well, gosh, that that just – I mean to only have that limited amount of choices you end up going elsewhere because right. the the two or three developments that are that are approved maybe are crap or maybe you don't right. you know you don't you necessarily like the development mm-hmm. but that's all mm-hmm. you have a choice of but this is going to be a game changer because now you can look at every one of them you just got to find an owner that's okay with it right um, mm-hmm. but otherwise it it's a it's a great opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it really disproportionately limits the buyer's choice if they have to have a condo and they have to have FHA approval. So this spot approval is going to be a big deal. And the, you know, the other side of the coin that I would say on this, John, is that if a condo project does not have FHA approval, uh, there shouldn't be a conclusion that there is something uh, lacking or substandard about that condo association. They may have simply just never applied or they may have uh, applied and they had it and then expired. So I would not associate uh, so, so
0: we can't assume that the people working for the homeowners association are a bunch of racists and don't want FHA. <laughs> absolutely.
1: In there. Absolutely. Right. right there's right.
0: a there's many reasons
1: why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And and I think you hit the nail on the head is it just never considered it, uh, were afraid of the process because yeah. they, they were afraid it was too overwhelming mm-hmm. and, and too demanding for paperwork and things that they had to submit, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and very possibly at the time that it was evaluated by the association, uh, you know maybe the units were selling it a reasonable clip and they didn't feel the need to do that. Um, but uh you know John I don't have to tell you the market's dynamic you know the 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 heartbeat and the pulse of a market at one point in time in the calendar can be very very different 12 18 you know heck 6 months down the line and so a condo project that maybe would not have benefited before for FHA approval might strongly benefit now
0: and also let's let's throw in there that in the past if you had uh developments that were uh, where you had uh uh prices north of Four hundred fifty, five hundred thousand. Yeah. Well, in the past, it it made no sense right. for a VA or FHA to apply for that, but the new VA mm-hmm. uh, change—that's a game changer too in, in those in those as well.
1: Well, it is, John. So, so what you're referring to is association concluding, well, we're at a price point that is simply greater than what a person could obtain a VA or FHA loan for. Well, those numbers don't remain etched in stone. Every year, at least for FHA, that value or that dollar figure changes. And if it changes to where now it's in that it, it's in that window where, hey, you know, we can now do a three hundred thousand dollar FHA loan, and these condos are selling for you know two fifty to three hundred. Then all day long, that association should have that FHA approval. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What else were we supposed to talk about?
1: <laughs> we were going to talk a little bit about interest rates and, and some of the news now that's out there relative to that. Yes. Yeah, the yes, inverted yes. yield curve and all that fancy stuff. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: let's talk about that. Let's talk about the inverted yield curve. Yeah. And, and if you could, I uh, saw it on the news. Uh, it was explained on the news. But just in general, mm-hmm. um, what does it mean and what does it – what does it predict and what can we inspect is the sky falling is the sky falling
1: yeah it's kind of what it feels like when the way you know the way it's decked up by the media sometimes and so uh when when they when they talk they use that fancy term yield curve inversion um you know if if you if you kind of had a supermarket for savings bonds if you will and you say well i can buy one that uh uh, is a six-month bond a one-year a two-year and a 10-year bond well predictably the bonds that have the longer maturity are going to pay a higher yield because your money is tied up for a greater point in time. So, so the, the the one thing to note at this point in time in the economy is that rates across the board are just really, really low. They really are, and and you know you it's a floor. Uh, you know, generally you're not going to get below zero, although there's some unique exceptions going on globally. But but what's happening now is that across the spectrum, all those yields are really, really low. And then the other thing that is often a conclusion and and often accurately so, is that uh, as, the, as, the, as the yield curve inverts, and basically what that means is that those longer-term yields, like say on a, on, a, on a 10-year treasury security, are lower than what a person might have on a two-year security. That's called an inverted yield curve because it's an unorthodox set of numbers that are out there. And what the economists will say is, well, that is an indicator of potential recession. And, you know, we've we've had we've had economic growth for a good solid uh, handful of years now. And so this is in the news. You know, there, there, it's a sign that there's that there's potentially a recession. Um, it's not always accurate it, it it it's generally accurate uh and then you know let's define what that what that means i mean we're all still kind of stung from what happened uh last decade with the with the huge recession almost depression and the reality is is that they you know they generally don't look that way a recession is defined uh by by two subsequent or, or two successive quarters where the GDP has declined. So so we're not looking at a situation where the sky is always falling. And, and interestingly, John, from our perspective, a recession is not necessarily a bad thing for housing. Um, in three of the last five recessions, housing prices actually went up. And then when you look at the other things that underpin this sort of situation, you do see, uh, uh, you know, a correlation between uh, a weaker economy and lowering interest rates. And for for our world in real estate, lower interest rates are a great thing. So what happens? So what you have is that you have people that have increased buying power, you have a greater pool of people that are incented to buy because of, um, uh, because of the lower interest rates. And, uh, you know, even sellers who are saying, I don't want to give up my low interest rate mortgage are going to say, well, you know what, my new interest rate is not going to be so bad either. So so there's a lot of, uh, you you might almost say, contrary dynamics uh, to a recession that are not such a bad thing for home buyers and home sellers.
0: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I guess the takeaway is is that uh, the spookiness of an inverted real yield curve, uh, you know, it shouldn't be viewed in a bubble with the, you know that's the only thing that's out there to be concerned with, and it, it's also not a harbinger of doom uh, that things are you know the sky is going to fall as you said earlier. Uh, you know, the, the the good silver lining is that we're going to have you know some some cheap mortgage money for a, a, you know a, a reasonable period of time going forward.
0: So there's a good chance that the Fed's going to probably cut rates mm-hmm. again and we'll probably continue cutting into next year. Yeah. Um jeez, how low could interest rates end up going? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and, you know, that, the thing, that's a great question. And, uh, they, they've, they've certainly gone basically to zero before. In some countries, they go below zero. That's probably a whole nother show to talk about that. But, uh, you know, that, that Fed move is one tool in the toolbox that the Federal Reserve has to, to, uh, basically either stimulate or slow down the, 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 the growth of the economy. And that's what they seek to do. And they, and they try to look in the crystal ball and they say, well, gee, are things heating up to the point? That uh, inflation might be an issue. well, we better ratchet up the interest rates a little bit. Um, you know, conversely, if we're seeing signs of the recession, inverted real yield curve, what have you, uh, maybe we should lower interest rates and and stimulate the economy. But what do we do now? So we've got. We've got potential sign of a recession, uh, but we also have an economy that's doing really, really good. We have unemployment that's really, really low. We have a stock market that's at high. The, the real issue that's driving interest rates right now is, is, is some, some fear and uncertainty about the trade wars that are going on. So I would tell you that even the Fed right now is divided as to whether they should be cutting interest rates or not. The most recent cut was not a unanimous vote. Yeah, and and also too, the other thing that I would say is that the movement of the Fed does not really always correlate to movement in mortgage interest rates. In fact, in fact, you could almost say that uh, the Fed is 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 reacting after the fact or after the news. Um, you know, let's face it: most of the time, when the Fed moves. Uh, the news is out there that says the Fed is going to move on what they're going to do. It's yeah. not a surprise. Well, the mortgage market doesn't have to wait for that date. It's going to respond. You know, if the signs are out there that that uh, uh, potential recession is looming or economy slowing or whatever, you're going to see lower mortgage interest rates. And so, uh, you know, you can almost say that the Fed move is kind of the cherry on the top to that. You know, we've already experienced the change. By the time the Federal Reserve does their thing,
0: well, right. So if applications are up and there's a demand mm-hmm. for for loans mm-hmm. uh, and 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 refis, so there's a demand for that cash that's available to lend. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it just make sense that the interest rate that was offered is going to go up because there's a more of a demand for that? So. Uh, Interest rates are going to naturally go up and Mm -hmm. same deal. Interest rates are going to naturally float down if there's less of a demand. So less loan applications, less people refining. There's more money out there. Interest rates are going to naturally
1: come down. Yeah, that is absolutely Econ 101 and, and that is how it works. Uh, I guess the asterisk that I would put on that is that there's, there's other things out there in the ether that are driving these rates, right? I mean there, there's a lot of signs right now, uh, demand, a uh, lot of financing activity that would suggest that interest rates should be going up. But then at the you know you turn one more page to the newspaper and it says, well hey, we're, we're in a trade war with China, tariff here, tariff there, whatever, and then that that, that changes the tone. And that could that could tell the Federal Reserve to lower interest rates, even though there's contrary science to say that that's the right way to be done or the right thing to do, I should say. They had a tough job right now. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. What, what's the old saying it's not easy being green, not Kermit. easy being green,
1: right 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 yeah yeah but yeah, the, the Fed move is a little bit uh, for f- in comparison to our world, it's a little bit reactionary. by the time the Fed does their thing, uh, mortgage rates have have kind of found their space. Uh, where it does become impactful is for things like credit card interest rates, um, uh, tiered savings accounts uh, and and uh, retail financing such as auto loans. Those do tend to move almost in lockstep with what the Federal Reserve is doing.
0: Personally, what have what have you noticed in the last thirty forty five days, as far as refis and loan applications? What's what's Ross Mortgage?
1: Yeah,
0: seen over that time.
1: We're we're seeing uh, definitely higher than expected volume right now, which is a good thing, um, and it's on a few different fronts. You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about before is that, uh, you know, potential home buyers that are out there are comparing their present home and they're looking at what's out there now. And they're saying, you know what? I don't know that I want to do this because my money, you know, it's almost a lateral move. Why am I doing this kind of thing? Well, as interest rates go down, that same monthly payment is going to possibly help those potential sellers who become home buyers step up a couple tiers. So, you know, we're seeing different conversations with folks that we've had uh, pre-approved. You know they're looking and see well maybe now I can step it up a little bit because I'm not really increasing my house payment but I can buy a little more home. Um, we're seeing folks that are doing equity out financing as well. They're doing bill consolidation. Uh, they're 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 tapping that uh, what is now rather substantial equity in their homes on the tail of 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 all the all the uh, prosperity, and they're using it to pay off debt and. Um, uh, yeah. Or it's, student loans. Or student loans. <laughs> yeah, a couple of those out there. Right, right. So there's there's always a certain degree of nervousness, I think, when, you know, there's that the, the cliche saying, you know, your home's not a piggy bank. Um uh, but I, I would say that consumers are making more conservative uh decisions with that type of financing than pre recession.
0: Uh, yeah. So I think you hit the nail on the head with regards to people who have just been sitting idle mm-hmm. uh, and for one reason or another uh, didn't want to make a lateral move um, need to sell their home in order to buy and it just wasn't feasible in 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 this previous market mm-hmm. that we were that we were in sellers didn't have to consider contingent sales uh, to purchase right. um, and uh, and you even have the the empty nesters who are looking to downsize sure. but I'm gonna downsize from this three thousand square foot four bedroom house into a, a eighteen hundred square foot house and my payments gonna be more than what it was on yeah. this house? Hell with that. Why I'll would just they stay do that? where I'm yeah. at. So you I, I mm. think you you've 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 brought that up and and it's great points on several of those fronts mm. where if interest rates continue to hover and get a little lower even, I think that there are people who've just been kind of on the sidelines right. that it may actually spur to jump in and actively start looking to take advantage before, before things
1: change. For sure. The math is absolutely different than even just 12 months ago. And so, those are folks that should be calling you and having that "what if" conversation. yeah, call me. Call What's John going on for crying out loud? Um, <laughs> and, and say, "Hey, where's my home value now? Where will my dollar go on the purchase, etc." So, uh, the conversation that happened 12 months ago is not etched in stone. Uh, you got to keep revisiting that and and relook at it. There might be opportunities that that buyers and sellers can be embracing that they're not aware of. Good stuff today. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I I find this very interesting, and I um, it's always. Fun to talk about this kind of stuff, especially as as it's happening, as, as yeah. things are changing in the market. So, uh, it, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how things sort of shake out in the coming months mm-hmm. and, and into 2020 to see uh, which direction things are going to head in. Because right now it's you've got this group over here saying, well, we're already kind of dipping our toe in and looks like we're heading this way. Yeah. And then you got this other group over here saying, no, everything's great. Everything looks looks <laughs> yes. rosy. picture Mm-hmm. you know uh you and I have a have a history going back so we we both were working through the the great recession and <laughs> came out the other side mm-hmm. and uh, so we both kind of saw it coming in and going out the other
1: side right, um, right and right. so
0: um you know I think we have some perspective mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of people who weren't in the industry previously maybe don't have yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. And gosh, if there's any conclusion, it's, you know, anything goes. Nothing's off the table uh, with with these economic swings back and forth. And so, you know, as consumers, goodness, you just got to keep eyes wide open, um, you know, make smart decisions, which I think, again, post-recession consumers have generally been doing uh, just that. But uh, yeah, there's just no guarantees with what's, uh, with what's going on. They need to stay in touch with you and I and uh, keep that finger on the pulse and, and, and you know, make, make, uh, you know, make buying and selling decisions when there's opportunity and, and maybe not do that if it makes more sense to stay put and, and just, just, again, keep eyes open with what's going on.
0: Keyword there, opportunity. Opportunity, there you go. Yes, yeah. that's, that's perfect. Yeah,
1: for sure. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. And by the time the next show comes along, everything's going to be different because the <laughs> economic ec- backdrop is changing by the minute. That's why we love this like. business, right? That's, <laughs> that's, why you, sure. that's why
0: I love real estate and why you love the, the mortgage side because things are always changing. Always, for sure. And for no sure. two things are ever the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. This was, this was a good conversation, John. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to Avoiding Real Estate Turbulence. If you'd be so kind to subscribe, review, and rate, we would appreciate it share with your friends, family, and co-workers that they too can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and Spotify.